the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney Plus. Celebrating every colour of the rainbow. Teletalks. Virgin Radio Pride. Hello and welcome to Virgin Radio Pride's Teletalks. The time of the day where we can hunker down and talk about everything on the box. I'm Benji Potter, tele fanatic and podcaster. And I'm Rod McPhee, TV editor on The Sun. Each week we'll be getting to know a different celebrity's viewing habits by having a good old rifle through their personal telly guide. They'll pick their five formative LGBTQ plus TV shows and they'll share them with us. From This Life to Will Young winning Pop Idol to It's a Sin, there are so many LGBTQ plus TV shows and moments in them to discuss. Rod, what is your earliest TV memory? Uh, well, bizarrely, it's um, Books Fizz winning the Eurovision Song Contest in 1981, which not only shows how old I am, but how I naturally had quite camp leanings from an early <laughs> age. Um, yeah, and, and I've been going out wearing two skirts ever since. So it just really helped well, as, me long, anyway. as long as you don't whip them off, I think we'll be safe in this studio. Well, I think the idea is you only whip one off at a time. That's where I've been going wrong. <laughs> I think you can hear our next guest already by his cackle, but I'll introduce him first. He's a sportsman, LGBTQ plus role model and ambassador. In 2020, he broke fresh ground when he was paired with H from Steps on Dancing on Ice, the first ever same-sex TV competition pairing. Well, he's used his platform to lead by example, coming out publicly in 2018 um, after the death of his uncle from AIDS and a presidency which made life even harder for LGBTQ plus people in America. He spends his time between London and Los Angeles, so we're especially grateful to have him here. Matt Evers, welcome to Teletalks. Wait, wait, wait. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming along. And we've had a sneak peek of your picks. And Rod, I'm sure you'll agree, they're quite something. Yeah, and I quite like the fact that uh, a lot of uh, Matt's picks are very much from my era, not yours, Benji. Yeah, because we're a little bit more mature than you. (coughs) (laughs) Mature, yes, not by age. <laughs> like a fine wine. Exactly. Um so Matt, in twenty twenty, as I mentioned, you became the first ever dancing on ice professional to perform with someone of the same sex. So in a way, you yourself are part of LGBTQ plus TV history. I know, that's crazy. And I going into that series, I got the phone call from one of our producers over the summer, uh, which normally we don't find out until literally the day we show up. Did you think um, you'd been dropped? I, uh-huh. That phone <laughs> rang and it said, Cloda O'Donoghue, ITV, and I went, uh-oh, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, she she asked me a couple of questions that I, it was a bit weird, you know, like, just how are you feeling going into this next series? And I was like, oh, God, be careful how you answer, because obviously I, I want the job. And then she said, how do you feel about skating? with a man and I went wait like same sex partnership and she said yeah why not and I said absolutely I don't know if we can swear on here can we swear well I just did you can bleep (laughs) it out (laughs) but it was a no-brainer for me uh and going into that series meeting H getting on the ice with him for the first time we really kind of didn't it had never been done before so there was sort of no rules i i did talk to the channel though and and really ask that we weren't treated any differently um and from the announcement which was you know i think maybe in september or so before the series started it got worldwide praise i mean we were on the cover of the sun 
it was a bit of a shock to my system after already have doing 12 series of Dancing on Ice at that point, skating with Heather Mills, skating with Gemma Collins. We had never had that sort of exposure, and I thought to myself, ooh, this, this could be something really special. Did you have any kind of backlash at all? Was, that, was, the, was it mostly positive? On well, of course, there's always the comments online, you know, when you do like with the once the Daily Mail picked it up and, you know, the sun and all of that. I, I, first off, I never read the comments, but there was always the trolls, the keyboard warriors and things like that on, online. But then once we got to air um, that first episode, there were 13 complaints to Ofcom, 13 and then the pat on my back was the fact that Ofcom then responded to say these are ludicrous. We're not doing absolutely anything about it. So that that was that we were sort of opened with or we were welcomed with opened arms. And do you feel like strictly, Mister Trick, um, and and that they very much tried to make up for that further down the line? Uh no, I don't think they missed a trick. I think you know the BBC audience is much different to an ITV audience. Uh, we're a commercial audience, you know, and I think we can push the barriers a little bit faster and possibly more than the BBC can. Um, I think it was nice that well, for me, it was nice that we got it done first. Um, but then for the community, it was great to see that the following year Strictly did the same thing uh, with two females. I mean, Dancing on Ice is the epitome of family show. What a privilege to be able to beam such a message of inclusivity mm. right into people's living rooms. Yeah, I think growing up, you know, I didn't have I didn't have those role models. I didn't have people on TV um, that I thought I sort of could um, relate to. And it's nice to be a part of a movement here in the UK to where it was, you know, kids at home and even parents would had send me messages after our first skate to say, my child loved that. And if That's you, all they had to say, you know, and it was, it felt really special. And if you could pick any man in the world to get your hands on, on the ice rink, who would it be? You. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right, Benji. You're going to have to look after this by yourself yeah, no. now. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, luck. You, yeah, Good you won't go to do any lifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, who would I, I mean, I'd, yeah, maybe, like maybe Zac Efron, as cheesy as that is, but God, he's growing old well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, after doing Gemma Collins, you might be able to get paired up with Benji. <laughs> What, the diva? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's kick things off with your first pick. Matt, could you introduce it for us, please? My first pick, um, kind of a classic. I think it, this is what was before I had come out. This was before I kind of knew even my own sexuality. But there was something in the opening titles of this television show that I was attracted to, and I didn't know why. And it was, Who's the Boss? from 1984 and it was a shower scene with Tony Danza Brand new life, brand new life, brand new life 
so Matt, describe oh. to me that moment. <laughs> He's, he's, he's still enjoying it now, I can tell. Not that <laughs> moment, it was the music. <laughs> oh, it's the music, sorry. The I thought you were still on the shower scene. Back. <laughs> but let's jump straight to the shower scene because yeah. I want to know what feelings you felt right at that moment. Um, I think the first time I'd watched the show for years and it probably, yeah, I was probably maybe nine or ten and thinking, oh, that was nice. And I didn't quite know why at that at that point. Um, and it's just a what a three second clip of he's in the shower. Somebody pulls the shower curtain back, and he's like flustered and scared. But you see his chest and his torso, and you know I think when you're nine, ten years old, old you you you're not sexualized by any means. Um, but I knew that there was something there that I was attracted to. That I was like, oh, that's that's quite nice. That's very interesting because I think every gay man or lesbian around the world will have had that moment mm. but I think the pattern is, is that nobody actually knows exactly what it is they're feeling at I all. Th I think for me it was the next catalogue <laughs> oh. Wow that's very exotic <laughs> <laughs> What the underwear section of the next catalogue? Oh yeah absolutely yeah. The dresses section <laughs> What about you Rod? <laughs> well I, I was, I've already explained this to Benji so uh, there was a, a, a single called The Lion Sleeps Tonight in 1981 I think got to number one and uh, they had a, a singer perform it obviously but they also had a male model come on top of the pops and perform it oh, right. and this male model was very much in the same vein as Tony Danza yeah. and I remember thinking oh same as you that was that was interesting viewing but yeah. of course you don't know what it is you're feeling because mm. you've never felt it before and you've you know, one one thing that I quite like now is is there's an awful lot of young people around who I think will get that feeling and might just have some idea what it is. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just speaking with a friend the other day about you know nine, ten, eleven year old kids right now. This you know the new generation Z or whatever that generation is called now, but they they're very aware of who they are, um, and they even at that age don't put labels on themselves there it's like we're coming into this new generation of fluidity um they they don't it's like they don't have that preconceived idea of what a family should be as we did when we were kids that it has to be a man and it has to be a woman and you have to have 2.4 kids the white picket fence and the whole thing um it's it's really fresh to see what's what's happening now uh with the youth i think another interesting thing about tony danza was that he was that kind of mould of actor and star um, who very much broke the mould because in the 70s you had people like Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, who were very much women's men. Mm. And then in the 80s you had like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt come along who were in that same kind of vein. Yeah. But there was a real change, wasn't there? I always wondered whether like movie makers tried to tap into that homoeroticism. Oh, 100%. We look at Top Gun. Yeah. One of the most homoerotic films, but it doesn't really feature a gay person in there. Yeah. But, I mean, did you, do you agree with that, having seen it from the 70s into the 80s? Yeah, um, I don't remember much of the 70s, but I do remember as we went through the 80s and going into the 90s, it very much was like, oh, the LGBT market, or back then it was just the gay market, um, had a lot of money, and they spent money, and they watched good things, and so Hollywood definitely started to tap into that. When was Tales of the City? Was that 80s? I think that was around about 1991 that oh, it got made later. into a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the book was, I think, was written in the 80s. Mm. But um, it's interesting because in the UK we had the upper hand, which was the British version of Who's the Boss. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we... Who's the Queen? Uh, oh, it was... Uh, oh, she was in... Uh, I think she was uh, in Gold... Oh, damn it. 
you've caught me on the hop there. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, um, what was it called? It was called the Upper Hand. It was the same. It was the same concept. Oh god! It was an, an older mother, the daughter, and the young sort of um, attractive nanny. Mm. But basically, it was uh, Joe McGann, who's one of the McGann acting brothers. Wasn't quite in the same sexy league as Tony Danza. <laughs> it was it was closer to Wayne Rooney, but, um, <laughs> but it was still a great show. It did really well. I think it started in 1990 and went through the early 90s. Okay, sort of it was a real hit show. So, uh, but yeah, at, um, you, you were were you? What stage did you start to think you might have been gay? Um, not until probably my late teens. Um, I got married on a reality television show when I was twenty twenty one years old in the states. Um, kind of the precursor to the Bachelorette. Uh, it was called. Um, oh my god, my brain. Um, oh. It was called Surprise Wedding, so where the bride asked the groom to marry them live on TV. And my girlfriend at the time and I had been together for three years. We were friends with the casting director, and she had said, hey, it's a free trip to Vegas. You guys get married. We had a skating company at the time. She was a roller skater, and I was an ice skater, and I had taught her how to ice skate, and we had performed at the uh, Radio City Music Hall Christmas show on ice. Um, and so we kind of used it as promotion. But, I mean, at the time, we were very much in love. And then there was like a two-week honeymoon, all expenses paid to Hawaii. And then, I don't know, we took the honeymoon maybe a month or so after we did the TV show. And that's where I found out she'd been cheating <laughs> cheating on me. Oh, my gosh. So it was, it was kind of, yeah, my late teens, early 20s when I started – she had said a couple of things through our marriage too. You know, she was like, "Are you know, are you sure you're not gay?" And because I, I would look at guys, you know. And at that time, it was oh, I wasn't sexualizing it. I would, I would find other men attractive, and I didn't know at that time that what it would lead to, you know, as I am today. Um, so I think the signs were there. Also, come on, I was an ice skater, you know, very flamboyant. I was very comfortable in lycra and sequins, and I always hung out with the girls and. You know, my parents, when I did come out, they they weren't very surprised. Um, I think they, they, but however, they were very supportive. Were you annoyed that they weren't surprised? Was there a part of you that's like, uh, excuse me? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I think I was, I, I wanted to do it as fast and as easy as possible. <laughs> rip, rip the Band-Aid off really quick because um, I was, yeah, that was a tough time in my life. Uh, and also having your wedding on tv i mm. mean it's it's a huge thing and so many people get to see it and obviously when it doesn't work out was there a certain amount of kind of did you, did you have to spend some time dealing with that afterwards not really yeah. i think i was i was young and i was dumb and i was mm. very naive to a lot of things in this mm. world um i was thrown into as a kid i had worked in television as a commercial actor um commercial modeling different things like that so i wasn't unaware of the industry uh but i really feel like within life because of my skating i was so sheltered that when i finally quit skating and went out into the real world i had no idea what i was doing so i i, I didn't feel that you know a formal divorce or us breaking up and what us separating was i mean it i just kind of carried on how, by the way how much of a cliche how much truth is there behind the cliche that a lot of men in skating are gay is that is that a myth is that true because people people might say the same thing about ballroom dancing but yeah. look at strictly i mean there's it's like johanna's on there who's openly mm -hmm. gay 
that's one person out of about a dozen yeah. professional dancers. So is, is it a myth or is it is there an element of truth? I think it's it's a bit of a myth. I think there are quite a few gay athletes within the sport of figure skating, you know, professionally and or uh, on an Olympic level. However, what I think we've seen previously um, is the gay athletes typically get them get more attention because they're a little bit more outspoken um <clears throat> so you might think that oh figure skating is a gay sport because it's feminine because you know you do have to be balletic but then if you know likewise in ballet a lot of the prima ballerinas they're all straight um so i do think that that is it is a bit a bit of a myth sport and role model um they're important things um can i ask you your opinion on um david beckham he's recently got slammed for did he to- come out um, <laughs> just to me um, so that's uh, that's an exclusive right here uh, uh, but no I think basically uh, are you really throwing my train of thought <laughs> David, David Beckham so, so yeah so so David Beckham recently got slammed for spending uh, for taking money from Qatar which is obviously a country which is very very homophobic and this has been called hypocritical do you think it's hypocritical oh that's a tough question. There are so many double standards right now, you know, especially coming into Pride Month. Uh, we see all these naysayers about, oh, well, this we can't support this company as the LGBT community because they only support us in June. <sighs> I don't know. I think it's it's case by case. Mm. Um, you know, he's got to pay the mortgage. However, I don't think he needs to pay the mortgage with that extra mm. money from Qatar. Yeah. However, he's not part of the LGBTQ plus community in a sense. I, I, I'd like to think that he is a strong ally. Um, however, again, with Beckham, there's uh, 50 to 75 people of his management team, you know, and sometimes you don't necessarily get to have a say when it comes to some of those deals and promotions and this, that and the other. So that's I, I, I think. I'm not going to stop supporting Beckham because he has taken that money from Qatar. But I think as well, um, our community, uh, I don't know. I'm very much a a person that if a business is going to give us a voice for at least one month, I'm going to take it personally. More telly picks from Matt Evers coming up. Telly Talks. Virgin Radio Pride. You're listening to Telly Talks on Virgin Radio Pride. We're here with the ice skating star Matt Evers going through his top telly picks. Matt, what a brilliant first pick. I can't wait to hear what's next. Oh, well, this is not not so much TV, but it is uh it's a film and it was a very iconic film of the of the time. Um 1990 um, Kevin Costner, who for me at this point, I was very much thought he was a very attractive man. Um, and it's Dances with Wolves. Hey! God! Go home! Go! Go home, two socks. Bad wolf, bad wolf. So, Matt, do you remember where you saw that film? In the theatre. So you actually went to the cinema to see this film. And were you with friends, family? With my family um, in Fargo, North Dakota. 
And if you've seen the TV show, it's just like it says it is. <laughs> it's a very interesting place. Oh, God, yeah, don't you know? Everybody talks like that. Um, yeah, with family. Um, and and again, tell me what feelings were going through your body at the time when you saw this this scene. The scene, yeah, where he's, you know, obviously it's not full frontal, uh, but it was PG-13 at the time. And it was kind of the age of when they started to show naked butts on TV or on in the film. And I remember seeing it for the first time and not really reacting to it, but it wasn't until we had bought the film. Um, and then was watching it at home, you know, numerous times with the family that I'd always remember being excited to see that scene, um, being <laughs> excited to see Kevin Costner's butt. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried to think what would happen if Tony Danza and Kevin Costner were in the same Oh, movie. at that point, I probably would have come out right then and there. <laughs> that would have been my come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and so this was 1990. You were competing professionally at the time? Well... In a sense, professionally, but it was amateur. So I had made my first national team. Um, that was my freshman year of high school. So I had just started competing for the United States um, on a national circuit and then just later into the in, uh, international circuit. Um, so, yeah, it's a big point of my skating career. Were you around other young people who were questioning and exploring their sexuality or was that not something you kind of were aware of till a bit later? That's a great question. Um, I think where I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, and within the skating community there, which is quite large because it's, you know, it's so cold for so many months out of the year, sort of everybody skates. But I was the only male figure skater in within, I don't know, maybe six hours drive um, from our town. I was definitely at that point the only male figure skater in the state of North Dakota. So I was always around girls, um, teen, adolescent women. Uh, and I don't ever remember having conversations with any of my friends uh, in regards to their sexuality. So no. Or not fancying another boy, uh, something that wasn't on the screen. Yeah, no, There, I didn't have those feelings in high school. I really didn't even date in high school. I dated this one girl once. Um, I won't say her name because uh, after we split up after about a month or so, um, she was found playing in traffic. Um, she went a bit psycho uh and i think at that point it was a matter of oh i don't know if i want to like deal with girls at that point i think because you know i spent all day so i would skate before i went to school from four in the morning until eight o'clock in the morning and then i would go to normal high school all day and then i would go back to the rink in the afternoon so my free free time and my so i didn't have a social life um my social life was the hours that i spent on the ice it's interesting all of your picks are very much American TV shows, which makes sense, you know, if you grew up in America. But I'm curious, do you consider yourself now to be totally American in the sense that you spend a lot of time in Britain? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're, you're very famous here. Um, you live in London, presumably. I do, yeah. And uh, how, how <clears throat> British do you now feel? I feel quite British. I have a really cool mix um, of even my language. You know, when I go home, my parents think I'm full Brit, um, which I don't see. But <laughs> I I love the culture over here. I love how welcoming the UK has been for me um, and especially our community uh, here in London. And, well, I guess, you know, even all over the country. So I do feel like I have a really nice mix of the US and the UK within me. And what do you think the difference is in terms of the LGBTQ plus community and how it's viewed here and how it's viewed in America? 
It's still growing in America. I think it's becoming a little bit more trendy. I mean, we see that obviously through social media and through Hollywood, whereas I really feel here in London, it is a root of London. Um, you know, the Soho scene and stuff like that is very much always has been a part of London. It's very much stooped in history, I'm sure we can all agree. Matt, that was another great pick. Um, tell us, what's next? Um, I don't know. What is next? <laughs> Real world. Okay. I think it's steeped in history. Stooped, stooped. is when you bend over. <laughs> I'm just going to go from that link. We've got to get out of here in 25 minutes. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we can all agree that London really is stooped in history. Steeped, is Steeped. It? Have I yeah. done it wrong again? Steep, yeah. Steep. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's stupid in history. Steeped. Yes. I'm sure we... <laughs> I'm sure we can all agree that London really is steeped in gay history. Matt, that was another great pick. Tell us what's next. Oh, gosh. One of the first, like, massive reality shows all over the world It is the real world from MTV and, of course, the San Francisco series. This is the true story. The true story. Of seven strangers. <laughs> Picked to live in a house. And have their lives changed. Oh, Lucy, I'm home. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. The real world. San Francisco. Matt, the year was 1994. This was reality TV in its infancy. Tell us about this show. I'd never heard of it. Had you not? No. Oh, gosh. It was a bit like kind of the real well the real world was very much like big brother but in the real world it was anywhere from seven to ten um singletons mostly that had all lived in a house and they just filmed them in the house and then their life outside the house and it was the first of its kind um it was uh, it won every single award out there uh and we've I guess for the first time really got to see what a slice of America because they pulled in people from all over the United States. Uh, however, I think with San Francisco, it was the first time they had ever really featured in somebody from the LGBTQ plus community. And not only that, he uh, was HIV positive at that point. And that had really never been seen on television before. It, you know, obviously reality TV was new, but even within sitcoms and soaps, um, everybody was a little bit too scared uh, to touch upon that subject. So it was really interesting to follow the journey of Juan um, through through this series. Now, when you sent us your pics, I was thinking about this um, a, a HIV storyline, and I was thinking, hang on a second, since 1994, definitely in British reality TV, we've never had a storyline that focus, uh, focuses on HIV. So do you think in LGBTQ plus TV history... This could have been like a freak moment and, and kind of really ahead of its time. Oh, very much so. I don't think it was a freak moment. I think Bonham and Murray, who were the exec producers of um, of the real world and, I mean, numerous amounts of award-winning TV programs, they knew exactly what they were doing and they knew they needed to shed light because, you know, at that point, 1994, we were past the AIDS pandemic, um, you know, that was a global pandemic. Uh, and new treatments were coming out. Uh, it was it was the exact right place and time for for television to be exposed to a storyline like this. Now, the AIDS epidemic is something that affected you personally. Mm. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and how you coped with? Yeah, my uh, the passing of my uncle uh, was around this time, actually. Um, I think it was 1995, 96 when he passed away. Uh, but he suffered from HIV and AIDS uh, for, gosh, probably 20, 15, 20 years. Um, and he was banished from our family uh, at the age of 16 when he knew he was gay. My 
grandparents kind of kicked him out. Um, and at that point, he went to New York. He was part of the original Fire Island crowd. And then he went to San Francisco, was part of the original San Francisco Castro crowd. Um, and he did, he lived with HIV for 15 years. And then unfortunately, um, you know, it turned into full-blown AIDS. And yeah, he passed away uh, from a heart condition that he just couldn't recuperate from. So it was, yeah. I remember being extremely upset um, 1995, 96-ish, and my dad asking me, you know, why he... I think it was my dad also kind of prodding a little bit, um, me as far as what my sexuality might be. Uh, and I had just said to him, I'm just so upset because, you know, Uncle Jimmy died without knowing the love of his own mother. Um, and it's something that I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, can't really understand. I certainly can't. Interestingly, in the 90s, and obviously in the late 80s as well, but particularly in this era that we're talking about now, you're going out there in your teens and your 20s. I did the same thing. How much did navigating gay life get defined by this sort of looming danger, I suppose, of HIV and AIDS? I think our generation, you know, we're both in our 40s. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fine about saying that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we had a really interesting transition. Yes. Um, you know, the, the LGBTQ plus kids these days don't necessarily have to worry about it so much. Um, I think everybody needs to worry about it. However, our generation of gays, um, I was scared to death. Absolutely. I was scared Absolutely. to death of it. And it actually prevented me from having a lot of sex because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing, we already talk about being gay as being something that arrests our development. And I think the HIV uh, pandemic arrested it even further mm. because you, you, you're already nervous about what people think about you being gay. But then on top of that, you've got the nervousness of, well, HIV is out and around there. And, yeah. Uh, and it was, it was very much a double whammy in the 90s, wasn't it? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Well, thank you very much for just kind of sharing that personal story with us Matt We're yeah really of course uh, we'll be back with more from Matt Evers on Virgin Radio Pride Teletalks Virgin Radio Pride welcome back to Teletalks on Virgin Radio Pride Matt Evers is our guest today and he's picked some brilliant telly moments Matt what next is on your list? Oh a super fun show that actually just finished uh, this past week um, well a spin-off of, of this show but it is um, Ellen Ellen DeGeneres' sitcom this is this is so hard, but I, I I I think I've realized that I am I can't even say the word. Why can't I say the word? I mean, why can't I just say? I mean, what is wrong? That why why do I have to be so ashamed? I mean, why can't I just say the truth? I mean, be who I am. I'm 35 years old. I'm so afraid to tell people. I mean, I just Susan. I'm gay. <laughs> Just Like Dancing on Ice was beamed into the living rooms of millions of people in the UK. This moment was beamed into the living rooms of millions of people in the US. Mm. It would have had just as much impact. A hundred percent. You know, I remember watching this back then. You know, you had to tune in on a Thursday night to see certain programs um, or you would set your VCR to record it. Um, and I, I remember thinking... Wow, that's pretty amazing, you know, and I and still listening to that clip, it gives me chills. And now reading the history and the story behind that day and that when they were filming that scene where the applause just went on for like a half hour. 
Um, but the backlash of Ellen coming out within Hollywood was it was heartbreaking. You know, she didn't work for quite a long time afterwards, and obviously she's found her feet again. Um, but it was, yeah, it was kind of a sad time at the same token, you know, that she was so brave and her writers and the, the network were so brave to do something like this. But, you know, again, the on the flip side of it, she, she didn't work for a long time because it was a little bit too outspoken. We all remember moments of watching LGBT telly with our family and kind of monitoring their reactions maybe before we told them. Mm. Is this um, show something you remember watching with your family? Can you remember seeing this moment? Yeah, I do remember watching it live. Well, not live, but, you know, the record of it live. Um, and I think I was a little bit... Uh, I I think I had a little bit of an advantage towards me because my uncle Jimmy was gay and, you know, my parents were very open about it. And my dad loved my brother. Um, some of the other family didn't. Uh, so it was very much it wasn't I didn't have to question what was happening. I knew. Uh, and because I was aware of, you know, how uh, the discrimination against my own uncle was at that point, too. We'll be back with Matt Eva's final top telly pick in just a moment. Telly Talks, Virgin Radio Pride. Unfortunately, Matt, we've come to your final Telly Talks pick on Virgin Radio Pride, and we're really ending on a high, aren't we? I hope so. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. Well, I think this is probably the most iconic series that has ever lived. Not only did we get it once, we also got it a second time around just recently. And of course, it has to be Will and Grace. You know, dude, it is a little weird that you're talking to my dog. <laughs> um, I don't think I need a drag queen to define normal behavior. <laughs> But I will say this, the look is flawless. <laughs> Whatever. Ooh, working the attitude. Okay, you're good. I've had a lot of practice. So this is a personal favourite of mine. Oh, good. Yes, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Especially the share scene. I, I, whoever picked that is the, it's one of the best scenes ever. It's perhaps second only to Joan Collins eating tacos and getting cheese all over her mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> only Will and Grace fans will know what I'm talking about, but you do. But can you explain to people who might not be au fait with Will and Grace what was special about That's this me. show? That's <laughs> me. Oh, you, you don't know. I've heard of it I okay. might have seen reruns of it but I've never watched it yeah this is the bit where Benji pretends he's too young to have seen right. <laughs> okay we're just going to shut your mic off for a couple of yeah. minutes is that the here. one with Will Young and um... <laughs> yeah, Grace Kelly Grace <laughs> Kelly yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I think what was so different and so exciting about Will and Grace was they just made it normal they showed three friends in New York as were the reality of it as well going about their daily lives and i think at the point of uh will and grace's first season and when it aired hollywood embraced it and we obviously knew that they were embracing it by the fig the viewing figures that they were getting but also by the celebrity as you just heard share the amount of celebrity cameos that came on was We'd never seen anything like it. No, you know, no, not even within Friends. Michael Douglas, Matt Damon, huge Hollywood stars were mm -hmm. going on it, weren't they? And and I I agree with what you're saying because in the 90s there were shows like Angels in America, Queer as Folk, even Sex in the City. They showed gay, still showed gay life as being quite how do you put it, stark. Mm -hmm. Whereas Will and Grace, it was just a couple of gay guys and their two female friends 
you know, it, it wasn't filled with death and people you yeah. know, having sex all over the place. It was just fun. Yeah. And I think they were very conscious, the writers, because I've watched a bunch of documentaries about it. And, you know, in the in the, the 90s like that, a lot of those, the queer content was on pay television like Showtime or HBO where you had to pay an extra subscription to watch it whereas Will and Grace was on network TV it was free Um, and they knew going in that very first series that it needed to be funny it couldn't be serious because I think at that point there you know there just was there was too many dramas on TV at that point and they they knew to get into the hearts of America that they needed especially Jack they needed to make his character a a comedian but do you agree that key to this and this may seem like an obvious point given the name of the show but will was key to this because Mm. will wasn't an outrageous camp guy but nor was he afraid of doing what he wanted regardless of it being seen as not masculine Mm -hmm. you know he was smart good looking but not some caricature of a gay lothario you know he was like the perfect mix wasn't he he was i mean if you're going to give it a label he was a cis gay man you know, he acted as a straight man did. And it was very confusing for a lot of Americans, especially in the Bible Belt, because, wait a second, you can act just like my husband, but like to sleep with men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And nine times out of ten, those guys do. But <laughs> oh, I think we've got another story there. <laughs> That's for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, you're, booked, um, you're booked in now, man. Yeah. Um, but but no, you're right. Yeah. It, it, he he became sort of an icon to the straight gay men that are out there. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because they had Jack there and Will. Complete contrast. But they weren't saying that one was better or worse than the other. They were equals. They, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, uh, Will and Grace was changed so much, I think. I think without Will and Grace, you wouldn't have seen that acceptance take place, even though it was just, at the end of the day, a bit of a fun sitcom, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was very, very influential within the LGBTQ plus uh, community within the States and, and obviously worldwide as well, because it, it was aired worldwide. Um, it gave a new breath of fresh air um, of how it can be normal. Well, rest assured, you really did end on a high there. So, Matt Evers, thank you so much for coming on Telly Talks. Thank you. I've loved your picks. You've chosen some great telly moments. And you've been listening to Virgin Radio Pride's Telly Talks. I've been Rod. I've been Benji. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Telly Talks. Virgin Radio Pride. The Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney Plus. Full of stories and love for all.